Hi, this is Kim Welch with Remax Achievers. Been in real estate for 15 years. Help buyers and sellers with land, new construction, resales, foreclosures, short sales, multi-units, investment properties. I love what I do. I'm all about exceeding your expectations. Feel free to call me anytime. My direct number is 610-960-1600. Find me on Instagram, Kim Welch Realtor, Facebook, as well as Zillow. You can check out my reviews. I have plenty of satisfied clients. Please contact me, Kim Welch, your community resource. Search and eat free. Search and eat free. Can't you help me be and free Search and eat free. Search and eat free. Get your happy bee and eat free too. Well, she clear your clutter and chill. Stow your stuff. She get your act together when enough is enough. Need help with cleaning or getting a messy house organized? Call Such a Neat Freak at 484-347-6059 or visit suchaneatfreak.com. Welcome to the Backroom Show. I'm Gary Williams. And I'm Mostly Flapjacks. Oh, God, I hate this bit already. Yeah, what was that one again? I missed Mostly it. Flapjacks. Mostly Flapjacks. Like Why not entirely Flapjacks? Because it's something start with wrong? an M. Well, sure, but wait, what happened? I, I'm, on, I'm now more Flapjack than man. Right, so so what's the rest, though? If it's mostly Flapjacks, then means... Well, I should have saw that coming. Yeah. Sure. Flapjacks and cock. Yeah. Available on iTunes everywhere. Like a Only in the Backroom Network. <laughs> backroom Network. Uh, Matt, why don't you tell everybody uh, in the internet land what's going on with the Backroom Network? Because there's a lot of exciting yeah, stuff going on. Yeah, there's a ton of exciting yeah. stuff. So, uh, coming up, we have the premiere of uh, Adventures in Middle-Aged Mommy, starring the brilliant and very talented- And um, the, the, the adorable- uh, Maria Gerald. Yep. Then we have a couple other projects in the works. We are looking to do a live show in a couple months. Get it on your calendars, folks. Boom. And we have a uh, potential another show in the yep. barrel here. And uh, just keep staying. Check us out, backroomnetwork.com. All kinds of fun stuff. But now, today. Today. Let me tell you something, Matt. Go on. I'm pretty excited about today. Mm-hmm. We've had some, uh, you know, like I always say, Mickey Mantle didn't always hit a home run. But today, I think this is going to be a... Uh, Reggie Jackson in the World Series, three right swings of the bat, three home runs, baby. Because right we got a heavy hitter today. In fact, I don't think I think we'll never probably talk to this person afterwards because they are on a rocket ship to the big time. You know, sometimes in life you meet a kid and you go, "There's something special about this. He's got something going on." Well, this guy didn't have that, but he was pretty good. He's pretty good. I've known him a long time, mm-hmm. as of you. We went to grade school and high school together. Boom. There you go. Um, he is a New York City-based music director, arranger, conductor, performer. I think he may have invented the secret chord from Hallelujah, for mm. all I know. I don't know. The pride of Berks County. Ladies and gentlemen, please, a big backroom welcome to... Dan Pardo. Dan Pardo is in hey guys. the back room. Hey, Gary. Hey, Matt. Hey, Dan. Now, now here's the deal. No pressure, but you have to live up to that to that intro. All right. well, I, I will fail spectacularly, but let's have, a, <laughs> let's have a chat. How you doing, buddy? I'm great. 
That's awesome. Uh, so give us the quick business card bio of, of, of oh, who you are and um, what you do there in New York City. Yeah, uh, well, as you said, I'm a New York-based uh, music director, pianist, arranger, kind of juggling lots of things, because unless you have a, a, a steady Broadway pit job or something, that always involves uh, doing a number of different things. So uh, I teach some classes during the week. Uh, tonight, I'm playing a cabaret at a, a bar uptown on 95th and Broadway. I'm starting a workshop for a new musical on November 2nd in wow. Toronto. Yeah. With uh, with my friend Eli Bolin, I've been conducting about two or three times a week a show based on The Office. It's like a parody musical at the Jerry Orbach off Broadway. Mm-hmm. In the middle of November, I'm going up to Connecticut to do a, a Christmas show at, with at Goodspeed, uh, right? At, at Goodspeed with uh, Reading natives uh, Larry Fetcho, who did the book, and Michael O'Flaherty, who wrote the score. Larry Fetcho, Daddy, you're doing a great job. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, so we all know what you love. Know I'm here. <laughs> Right. So, so basically what you're saying is like, you're just sitting around the house, eating Cheetos, doing nothing. Get a I job, you lazy Cheetos. bum, would you? <laughs> you wouldn't call me dead eating Cheetos, but uh, I, am a, <laughs> I do work from the house a lot, uh, which uh, is kind of tricky because I'm in between homes right now. Uh, my wife, Chrissy, and I are in the process of getting our first New York apartment, Ooh-hoo. but there's all sorts of red tape and hoops to jump through and boards to impress and letters to get. Right. So we've, uh, we've actually been out in Forest Hills subletting with friends for the last couple months, and it looks like we're going to have to do another temporary sublet because this paperwork never comes through. But uh, uh, Other than that. Will, um, but once we get our place, uh, you guys come up and uh, oh, stay we'll over. Okay. okay, listen, we have this audio tape, so I'm going to hold you to that, buddy. Hey, if there's one thing we'd like to do, it's uh, host a nice dinner. Yes, you know what? I actually do see on Facebook that you will often send out a group invite to uh, like a spaghetti dinner or whatever, right? You, you're, you're pretty bohemian yeah. in, in that sense, right? Like, come one, come all, right? No, it, uh, and dying of consumption as well. And dying of consumption, <laughs> yes. I do declare. No, it's, 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 always, it's always a really nice time. Uh, Chrissy got the idea when I was out in Chicago. I was uh, doing an out-of-town tryout of that Amazing Grace show that we did, that I uh, um, was in the pit for uh, for about four months uh, in New York in 2015. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just being out of town a lot, doing shows, uh, it, it gets lonesome. And uh, you know, so she was trying to find a way to kind of get a community of people together on a somewhat regular basis. And she came across an article. Um, I forget what the I think the person was a psychologist or something. Mm-hmm. And it was someone who worked from home. Right. Uh, and so she didn't see a lot of people uh, from day to day. And so she had this idea of having Friday night meatballs. Uh, to invite people over and just kind of uh, get some external non-family family time. Right. I can't. We can't do that on Fridays because we usually work on Fridays. Right. Either yeah. The show or exactly. the restaurant. So, uh, life, yeah. so, so we started doing Meatball Mondays, which frankly has a better ring to it anyway. <laughs> it's the the uh, the alliteration, there, right? Yeah. Yes. But anyway. Uh, yeah, because a, a, a performer's life can get kind of lonely. You yeah. know, even though you're working with people, it's very transactional. You come, yeah. Zoom, and then you're right, and that's that's a wonderful idea to sort of go, come on, come on, get over here, let's let's uh, mm-hmm. get together. So, give us a quick sort of because uh, I know you've played in some pits and Broadway shows, and uh, yeah, so um, there's only one just Dan, yeah, give us the highlights, Mister Big Time. Come on, here we go. Come, come on, on no, big shot. come on. Oh, I'm sorry, Mister, going to be too good to talk to us in six months. All right, go ahead, come on. Never. Six months by the end of this like, uh, interview. Yeah, ten minutes ago, he was too good for us. No, the, as, as far as Broadway proper, I've only in, uh, been in one Broadway pit. That's, yeah, well, uh, that's it, one it, more it, than it, most of us scumbags. So, you know, tout it, um, baby, flaunt it. I got very close to a second to the extent that I was shadowing uh, on stage. I uh, won't go into that. 
And uh, I've played in, I guess, three off-Broadway pits now. A lot of regional work. I uh, did Company last summer at the Barrington stage uh, with Aaron Tveit, who you might know from the movie version of Les Mis or the, I think it was Grease Live. Mm-hmm. This past summer, I did Fun Home uh, at the Westin Playhouse. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a lot of, that was really great. Mm-hmm. And uh, I conducted out West uh, at uh, the Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle. I did um, How to Succeed there, a stick conducting job with a 12-piece orchestra, which was Awesome, and I did some uh, arrangements for that, including a, a, a big dance arrangement for Coffee Break, which was a lot of fun. How big was the ensemble for Amazing Grace? Uh, that was also a twelve-piece, mm-hmm. uh, including a, a conductor key three chair. So for most of it, I was playing some simple like marimba light type things or strings, and then uh, I stick conducted some of it. But other times, I just kind of wave my hands. I want to I want to circle back for a sec. Did you say you're doing something at a place called the Jerry Orbach Theater? Mm. Yeah, so That's, the Jerry Orbach Theater. Oh, everybody, if you don't right. know who he is, Mr. First of all, Lumiere himself. He is a I, natural treasure, but of course, Lenny Brisk, of, of course, course, of course, a long yeah. historical history setting with the Fantastics and things, mm-hmm. the musical theater background, but of course, Lenny Briscoe from right. Law & Order. Well, American treasure, by the way, and yes. I'm not being Absolutely. sarcastic yeah. a it's, little bit. Uh, yeah. No, it's, uh, you know, if you go up to 53rd Street in New York, it's called Jerry Orbach Way, and uh, the theater that uh, this office, um, Off-Broadway Parody Musical, is playing is uh, where the Fantastics was moved, you know, for years and oh, years. Oh, wow, years. really? So, That's great. Yeah. So it was, it was down on Sullivan Street for years and years, but then... Sullivan for, Street, for, across from the medical center? <laughs> <laughs> and they're Mr. Cacciatore's, right? Uh, That's a little inside baseball there, isn't it? That's a Billy Joel reference. I love it. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Right, we're moving out. Ah, um, yeah, so it's it's in tribute to, to Jerry, and they have all sorts of great memorabilia and uh, pictures. And uh, in the back kind of hallway leading to the, the green room are all the uh, marquee posters for, you know, the Chicago and uh, Promises, mm. Promises and all the other uh, great shows that he that he led. Do they have Cradle of Rock? Uh, I, I will check the next time I, I, I'm there. No, Daddy, no. But he wants to know now. Could you run down real quick? <laughs> yeah, no, hold on. We'll wait. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I told him in Forest Hills. <laughs> uh, no, that's, I just came across Cradle of Rock in the last year, you know, with all this uh, um, political tumult. There's, uh, uh, you know. This may not a, stay in the show, but um, get the movie <laughs> Cradle of Rock with Hank Azaria and Tenacious D. A very early Jack Black. And a very (laughs) early Jack Black. Yeah, man, it's so good. And the cast is absurdly, like, talented. But Jack mm-hmm. Black, like he's like a Tim Robbins protege, right? Mm-hmm. They they yes. see the theater they went company. To college together, I yeah. think. Or, no, Tim Robbins would be older, right. but I think I think I think he had a theater. That's why Tim has it's been called in, like the yeah. group or something yeah. like that. That's right? why Isn't Tim it? has been well, in most of their films. Yeah. Well, yeah. mm-hmm. wow. yeah, there's some connection. Yeah. Nine people found this interesting. Right? But we think, exactly. We I'm think saying, it's cool. I said we might cut this out. And by might, I mean of course. I know. Also, you're like probably the healthiest man in New York City, Dan, because you bike everywhere, right? Well, um, I did. Uh, I and I plan to again. I've uh, my bike is currently in storage with most of my other things in uh, in my in laws' barn in Pennsylvania. But no, I did uh, commute back and forth uh, most days, weather permitting, from Brooklyn where we were for four and a half years. It was about an eleven and a half mile ride, which I did in fifty five minutes or wow. so. Um, it was mostly flat, two kind of hills leading up to the Manhattan Bridge right. and uh, going through Prospect Park. But uh, it was nice. I, I love experiencing different cities uh, on bicycle. Mm. 
Probably the strongest legs of any piano player yep. in the entire <laughs> New York City metro area. Just slams the pedals through the floor. Just slams. Right. Now, a quick little background, uh, a personal note. Back mm-hmm. in 1999. Yes. Because we were going to open in 2000 and we were all freaking about Y2K. Denise, who uh, you've heard on this show several times. The Executive lovely Denise, producer. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I directed a production of To Kill a Mockingbird. Certainly did. Where a young mm. Dan Pardo, fresh face and innocent, played our hey, gem. It's, it's, it's one of my uh, theatrical uh, highlights. That is so it's, nice of you to lie on the show. We don't usually no, we don't usually put hey, up with liars and yeah. scoundrels, but why must you turn the studio into a house <laughs> of lies? House of lies, Pardo. No, no in, in, in terms of stage performances, I, I well, I didn't do much past then, and it's certainly uh, it's one that I I recall fondly. I was um, doing a concert earlier this year, highlighting the music of my friend. Eli Boland, who I'm doing this uh, reading with in Toronto, right. and the the great Gideon Glick, who's about to play uh, Dill on Broadway oh. in the new Aaron Sorkin adaptation of uh, of To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, was in the concert. So we had a, a little moment, and I, I mentioned that I had played Jem when I was a kid. And, hey, uh, hey, Gary, do you have uh, a dustpan and broom to sweep up all these names he's dropping? Uh-oh! Oh. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. Yeah. teasing. No, we'll put a bell in the episode. Yeah, there you go. Time. Right, no, no. Even then, like, we had, there were three kids, main mm-hmm. large parts in To Kill a Mockingbird, and we just got so lucky. The three of you guys were, the chemistry was right, the talent was right, the vulnerability, the innocence. Of course, you were really children. How old were you then? 1999 uh, going into 2000. I was, I was 12. Wow. Ian was probably around 10. Yeah. Uh, his birthday is J- July of 90, I guess, yeah. or 89. And Gene uh, and uh, was a year above me in school. Okay, well, so. oh, I was going to say, the. Uh, oh, God, this is so not worth circling back for this joke. But you said, but Aaron, he's going to but, anyway. Oh, but I'm going for it, baby. I'm nothing, <laughs> I'm nothing if not brave. Now, you said Aaron Sorkin is directing To Kill a Mockingbird? I, I don't think he's directing. I um, he's he did the the a new adaptation of the you know because uh, originally it was that the the novel right. and it's it's been adapted obviously for stage before because we did one right. Um, but this is kind of a new concept. I think Calpurnia has has a larger part, oh. and, and the uh, the kids are are played by kind of young adults. So I think it kind of, I'm not exactly sure what the take on it is, but it was challenged by the estate, which kind of is ridiculous when you consider what they put her through towards the end of her life. No kidding. Well, you know what? Truman Capote wrote that anyway. We all know that. (laughs) We all know Truman Capote wrote it. (laughs) No, what's it? What is it? To call Uh, a watchman? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I know that a lot of the uh, people involved were, we're fighting to get this done because, you know, Aaron Sorkin always does. Uh, he's not a schlock uh, when right. it comes no, to he, putting he that, made that hack Aaron yeah. Sorkin. <laughs> what I was going to say was I anticipate this production being two hours of a walk and talk. Right. You know? Walk with me, talk with me. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Come party. Well, you know, and they're all turning corners right. and there's different and, offices. And occasionally they'll have like a big monologue. Uh, <laughs> That's a right. stirring, a stirring uh, you know. Like, like a, a Jeb Bartlett type monologue, right? Exactly. Um, so you also... In addition to your many musical adventures, fairly recently started a uh, a web series, Pardo's Turn, which is now, Mm -hmm. as of like two weeks ago, available also in podcast form. That is true, yeah. Um, Because 
don't yeah. want to go and watch 15 minute videos, but you know, which is funny. It's weird. Cause, cause you, and I don't make it weird. You are exceptionally handsome, Dan, if I do say so myself. Well, it's well, all I that mean, bicycling. If not, if not me, then certainly my guest. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, get, let me get, uh, what, what Dan does is he sits down every week with some sort of professional, it's, uh, right? I mean, singers, directors, someone in professional theatrical, let's just say, and you dissect one particular song, well known song mm-hmm. from, you know, a well-known musical. So if I butchered that, that's please right. correct me. No, it, that's that's basically the idea and the format. Uh, it typically is perfor- um, is performers. Sometimes they, you know, have directed or, or okay. uh, you know, dabbled into other uh, ventures as well, but uh, primarily performers. And uh, I take a, a kind of a classic musical theater song of their choosing, uh, and that way they don't have to learn anything new on my account, and presumably they'll have something to say about it. So I'll kind of spend the first five minutes doing a little deep dive uh, into a musical analysis. Do, do I'm sorry to interrupt. Do, do you um, try to match the person with song? Maybe they did it. They performed in that role or yeah, that- like, um, you know, I, I kind of say, well, you know, uh, maybe try and steer them in a certain direction. Uh, Cause I'll have an idea of what I want to talk to them about. For example, the, the episode that's coming up this week is going to be falling slowly from the show once. Okay. And uh, the, my guest, Nick Choksi, uh, was in the original cast of uh, Great Comet, which is also fill, uh, uh, full of actor musicians. Mm-hmm. So he plays guitar. He really likes the song, likes the show. Uh, and so it was just kind of a, a way. So it's not so on the nose. It's like, oh, you know, here's this person just singing the song that they did on Broadway. And sometimes, you know, I've, I've done that too. You know, Chuck Cooper, who did the, my first episode, sang Old Man River, which he did in Prince of Broadway that Hal Prince review uh, last year right. and uh, my guest from last week Barbara Walsh I had worked with her during a reading a couple of years ago but I always knew her as the original mom Mrs. Baskin in the musical Big so it was really oh uh, yes I did watch some of that yeah she was great yeah it was it was really uh, kind of magical for me to to hear her sing that you've also so. done an episode with hometown hero Danny Gardner as That's well right. I have the great Danny Gardner yeah um, Danny was was amazing. Uh, we actually that was the the only episode where we filmed in a large room with some choreo. Uh, he did uh, singing in the rain with some modified choreography, uh, umbrella and all, mm-hmm. and a Central Catholic uh, high grad who did a bunch of shows uh, at what was Alpha now uh, um, you know Front the, the theater out in, yeah. Front uh, in Birdsboro. You know he he did uh, Lucky to Be Me from. Uh, on the town uh, in the celebration of Bernstein's centennial. So, yeah, there have been a couple of hometown heroes, uh, I, which I you know, love, love to bring on because, you know, there are a lot of good people from Reading uh, working professionally in New York and beyond. And the thing about Danny Gardner is um, why I hate him so much <laughs> is because everything so he nice. does – Everything. I'm talking singing, dancing, acting, just, you know, basic comedic presence. Son of a bitch well, does I'm- it all. You f- <laughs> fucker, Danny Gardner, you. I'm coming for you, Danny. And this probably won't make the cut, but uh, Danny and I are the same age, and we auditioned for a lot of the same shows. And any time I saw his name on a callback list, I was like, fuck. Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> Every well, time. Unless it said hairy ape type right, guy. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then maybe Silver you're back in. gorilla. I was like, <laughs> yay. Yeah, yeah, I got a shot. Yay. Um, so I, I saw. I think it was like episode three or four of Pardo's Turn. Um, you did uh, Somewhere That's Green from Little Shop yeah. of Ours, which... Mm-hmm. Lauren. Uh, oh, sorry, w- w- repeat her name again? Lauren Marcus. She was uh, our Amy and company at Barrington last year, and she's making her Broadway debut in Be More Chill uh, coming up this February on Broadway at the... whatever the hell that theater is. Or- uh, 
goes wrong now. Yeah. Um, that was an amazing episode because that's my favorite song from my favorite musical. And oh, okay. That song will, ju- and she nailed it too. That song, oh, yeah. if, if you don't know it, I mean, you know, you know it. W- w- you you know might, it. I don't know. I mean, seriously, w- you know, that's the, the thing about our show is we'll go from talking about theater and then the next week will be like dick and fart sounds and stuff. So, but whatever. It's more um, like in the next minute. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Sounds. Yeah. Hold on, everyone. Right. Um, <laughs> there it is. Dan, tell us about your wiener. Go. <laughs> um, that, was but, good, that was some pretty good foley. Was, was that, was that uh, Gary? That was Miranda. Uh, yeah, that was me. Okay, that, Thank that, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, that, Actually, no, that was a Jeff, our, our professional foley Oh, yeah, artist. Jeff. Jeff, can you turn that up? <laughs> yeah. Jeff, can you turn up the fart sound? Jeff? Yeah, Jeff, can you Jeff. turn up the fader on the farts? Gonna need a lot more, I'm going to need a lot more reverb on that thing. <laughs> reverb? What? Reverb. Reverb. But no, that was amazing. And uh, that's probably the best song in any music because it, it's just, it's well, it, it's, musically wonderful and it's just will tear you into shreds and it's this hopeful song but it's also being sung from a point of i know it's probably never really gonna happen i think really it's amazing little shop of horrors as a musical if you you know when you say like something's way better than it should be like has any right to be yeah i think little shop of horrors is number one on that list let's take a 50s uh, a horror movie theme schlocky thing thing you know that's gonna work and it's freaking amazing and we had uh, these this greek chorus of of these you know these uh street performers and Mm -hmm. things and it's just amazing yeah the thing that gets me is that um because of that show you know disney is who you know what it is today you know uh explain please well, you know, there was that whole dearth of crappy Disney animated movies in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. And in the midst of it... Fuck uh, you, man. Black yeah, Cauldron it, is awesome. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, so in the middle of it, you know, Alan Menken and uh, Howard Ashman wrote this off-Broadway kind of sleeper hit. And it kind of got the attention of these Disney executives that say, you know, w- this is what we need to bring into our, uh, our movies again. Yeah. And basically they changed their formula from... These, you know, animated movies that try and throw in like a hit song like that uh, Oliver and Company. It's like, oh, let's just get Billy Joel. Billy to write Joel, a song. right. Yeah. You know, which doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, no. And they they basically formatted their their the 90s renaissance, uh, starting with The Little Mermaid in 89, to be more like uh, book musicals where they have I Want songs and Showstoppers. That's and interesting. All so so instead of trying to like cram in the what they think might be a hit song, radio right. song, it was like, just write good songs and maybe they'll exactly. catch on. It, that have a function in the, in the form of the story. That's I was, interesting. Uh, you know what? Damn was, it. He's uh, got a good, that's exactly right. Wow. Now that I think about it, but yeah, that's, it really did shift, didn't it? Huh? And it, Damn it was, party, you're a musical genius. And it was those two, well, uh, certainly Alan Menken and Howard Ashman are, uh, and it was those two that kind of got brought on board and, uh, and got it going. Yeah. I was uh, at a panel discussion at one of the, uh, new music festivals that I was doing and a representative from Disney theatricals was there and he was kind of talking about this very thing. At that point, Alan Menken and Howard Ashman didn't have many titles. It was it was basically Little Shop. And uh, they saw whatever they needed to see in that and brought them on board. All right. So you mentioned uh, Moving Out, which yeah. is the a, a, a musical featuring the music of Billy Joel. William Martin Joel. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm curious to hear your opinion on jukebox musicals. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to ask that too. Exactly. It's something or in, even deeper things like mm-hmm. this wave of like – Movie adaptations. Where, where, yeah, whereas what you were just talking about, as opposed to having music that is, you know, a hit or whatever, mm-hmm. as a, you know, and having a function within that show. Whereas, yeah, I mean, I think, I think uh, jukebox musicals, like any other genre of musicals, have 
ones that are great and ones that are terrible. So, so um, what would you and, say is an example of a great jukebox musical? I actually haven't seen it, but every, from what everyone has said and for, based on the success of it uh, and the longevity, I would say Jersey Boys. That's Matt's always go-to example, but that's mine too. I would say Jersey Boys is so beautiful. You know, you know, ones where, uh, and, and th- those are kind of more accessible because it's all the, the music of one person and that way it, it can be biographical and, and kind of follow the trajectory of these people who presumably are interesting. You know, it gets a little bit more difficult when they're just like, oh, you know, pop hit songs of the 60s kind of thrown together. And mm-hmm. you know, I've done some of those. And certainly there are ways to craft a story, especially with that body of music. You know, there might be some interesting uh, story about the Vietnam era or something that you, know, you could make it compelling. Anytime that you can use the, the songs to, to further the plot or to you know say something rather than just have a, a sidestepping musical moment, I think makes a uh, makes a, a jukebox musical more successful. You know, the only difference between the jukebox musical and any other musical is that rather than writing, you know, songs for a new context, you're taking familiar material and kind of hopefully using them in a way. But, you know, a lot of classic musicals like Good News, which is, you know, all the way back to 1927, any current revival or, or recent revival basically took a whole bunch of De Silva, Henderson, and Brown songs from the, the trunk, so to speak, and added it to the show because the original songs weren't famous enough. So that, you know, how is that any different to, or any time that they do Anything Goes and they put in Buddy Beware because it was a nice song. It's not that much different. It's true. Is, is, is it a sort of, I don't want to say lazy, but a little easier to go, all right, if we put these songs that people know, it takes a lot of the risk away from like really just writing um, like a song that you think you hope is going to connect with people. I think in, in contemporary musical theater writing, a lot of times uh, there's a, a much more specificity. So a lot of times uh, it's harder to use those songs outside the context of those shows, whereas there's something timeless about the songs that or at least generic enough that they can kind of be used in a certain way. And I think there's also a nostalgia factor. People like these songs and, uh, you know, they're excited to, to see them used in new fashions, especially when you have a song, a, a show like All Shook Up, which is, you know, the Elvis um, jukebox musical. And you have someone like Tony Award winner Steve, Stephen Aramis behind it, who really crafts these songs in new inventive ways with, with brilliant uh, vocal arrangements and orchestrations um, to kind of breathe new life into these simple songs. And, and then, um, like, the yeah. next step from that, though, is... Mm-hmm. Like Mel Brooks doing The Producers, which, of course, was a monster hit. Huge. Um, Mm -hmm. And then he tried to recreate it with Young Frankenstein, which is a little less successful. Not that it was him, but it was Spam a lot, too. Spam a lot, that sort of thing. um, Yeah, I think think that's kind of delving into the the franchise musical. Uh, You know, I don't know if that's the... I do. I've never heard that. that Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of tapping into, you know, a brand that we know and recognize. Again, like, you know, some have been very successful and some... You know, have been successful financially, but you know, artistically, I think they're they don't you know, stand up. Looking at you, spam a lot. Exactly, and, and you know, I get hey. it. I get you it. Know, You've I, got millions <clears throat> of people coming through this city every year, mm-hmm. and with so many choices of right. things to do, it's like, what can we do? It's do it. Do the thing, the thing that I'm like. familiar yeah. with. That's I know. I've I heard. Like. I remember yep. that. Even yeah, I, I, I will say one that really kind of surprised me, which I've never seen, but I 
here got so so good, okay reviews was Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I will say, like, wow, making a musical out of that, like, I did not see that coming, you know, based on yeah, I mean, like, movie. I mean, that wasn't. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily even put that in the same category because you know, when you when you consider even great classic musicals, there's there's very rarely a time where there's no source material whatsoever. You know, mm, you take yeah, a look at Rodgers and Hammerstein's uh, catalog. The only one that fits into that. Uh, realm, I think, is probably Allegro, which isn't a hit of theirs at all. I think that's a cold medicine Car- that I take. I think, <laughs> I think so, yeah. Carousel was based on the play Lilium. Oklahoma was based on something about the lilacs, whatever that book was called. Uh, what the lilacs bloom or whatever. Oh, no it, kidding. I didn't know that. Yeah. I always yeah, thought these were so, all like original. Well, no shit. And then, you know. My bad. Yeah, so, so, you my know, fair whether lady. it's adapted from a play or from a, a million, book yeah. or from a musical, you know, it's, it's basically taking some material that's either known or well-known or not well known, but Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, you know, I at least when it, David Yazbek wrote it to uh, what in the early two thousands, mm-hmm. whenever that was, you know, it wasn't like this hot item that uh, you know. No, it, that's for sure. Yeah. It's not like uh, you know Disney rushing Frozen to the stage, but just to capitalize on that. Yep, right. And, and that's not to say yeah. that uh, that's not this, an amazing show. I haven't seen it, but it got mixed to, to positive reviews, and I'm sure they they put on there. Uh, a pretty I do have to say I've used Chimp in a Suit for more than one audition. I do love that song. <laughs> Except uh, the ironic thing is that you're not wearing the suit when that's, you perform. That's right, but they still think I'm a chimpanzee just because they see how much body Yeah, he I just have. takes off his shirt. That, I that, do. That, 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 was, that was the joke. <laughs> oh, oh, Matt. Oh, I walked all over. I yeah, you go. did. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> you are, you're, like, you're like a joke Godzilla. Shut know? up, and, bitch. And, and just stomping and tearing things down and all that. So, so let me explain why it's funny that the chicken crossed the road. Exactly. To get to, see, yeah. because there's really not much well, more. Well, see what happens is, right, no. So, of course, you know, you're, you're local. We know you local from here. Everybody's from somewhere. Whoa. <laughs> but just give us a quick little, give us your sage advice for anybody out there going, you know, I want to give it a shot or whatever it is you know maybe a lot of the luster that's like people kid themselves about like, like on broadway they're talking about the glitter rubs right off you know like give us like the a little bit of the like real nitty-gritty i now that you're established and people know you but like what's that first step well um thankfully i i consider myself very lucky that uh when i was uh, i guess it was a senior in high school back in reading doing that 35th anniversary concert for the the founding of genesius and uh, the co-founder, who's Michael O'Flaherty, the, the, who's been the resident music director uh, at Goodspeed Forever uh, since 92, came back to see this concert. And he was happy with the work that I had done and kind of where I had brought uh, the music department of, of the theater in his absence, at least over the three years that I was doing shows there in high school. Mm-hmm. And he kind of invited me up to uh, kind of intern for the summer. That was the summer after my freshman year of college. Wow. And okay. uh yeah, and at that point, you know, I'd been doing community theater since I'm six years old. I was, you know, obviously young when I, I did those shows with you, Gary, and Matt. And it was always something that I did, but I never really thought about it in a professional way. It was like, oh, yeah, this is fun. You know, even when I transitioned from the stage to either an accompanist or music director, it's like, oh, well, you know, they asked me to play piano, so I'm playing piano. Or, oh, they asked me to conduct this show, so, yeah, no, I'll conduct this show. That's cool. Right, but obviously at that um, age, you were thinking, it was like, oh, I do this because I like it, and people are exactly. under, asking and, me to do it? Weird. Yeah, and, and like I always had, my, my thought was I was going to be a high school choir director, and I don't know if it's because a lot of my mentors growing up were uh, people like uh, Ken Horst, who was my high school choir director director at Antietam or Bill Snelling for a brief time before that. You know, they're just people who 
you know, I looked up to and like, oh, well, you know, I can do those things and I'm going to empower other people to do those things. So even after I went to Goodspeed for that first summer and, you know, we did this new show with music by, you know, Paul Williams, Oscar, whatever. Oh, winner, the great and, Paul Williams, like, yes. Great, like amazing people, tons of Broadway vets and like, oh, well, that was really fun. Let's go back to school and finish my degree so I can be a high school choir director. And <laughs> even then, it didn't really register until I was finishing up my degree. And you went to Westchester, right? I went to Westchester, okay. uh, had great professors who has a really solid music education program that I'm really proud of, uh, the, the best to high school uh, choir directors and band instructors in Southeast, uh, Southeast Pennsylvania and beyond our Westchester grads are. So, um, you know, I went to Westchester and I was uh, about to graduate and look for jobs. And uh, so Michael, uh, back up at Goodspeed, and then Don Lynn, who's the line producer, said, hey, you know, Dan, we're we're kind of needing a departmental assistant. Would you consider coming back for the full season? I'm like, I could put off teaching for a year. And then <laughs> a year became two years. And then, you know, uh, I'm, I have a family of teachers. My sister's a, a Spanish teacher in the Baltimore area. And my mom works uh, as a, a kind of a paraprofessional with learning support uh, in the Y Missing School District in Reading. Right. And, you know, I'm hearing about like all this, these new tests and how terrible they are. And, uh, you know, all the uh, bureaucracy and right. the new standards <laughs> and like, do I need this? And you, like, you, slowly, you slowly feel it slipping away. I, go, maybe yeah. I won't be doing it. So right. I'm like, let's see how far, you know, like, you know, I always have my degree if I need it. You know, I, I think there are some classes I would need to do because you need to, uh, you know, keep your accreditation um, current. You know, because right now uh, I haven't lost my love of teaching. I still do a lot of uh, classes at different kind of acting studios. And there's a program called Rosie's Theater Kids that goes to different uh, schools in the New York City area. I assume Rosie Car- O'Donnell? Oh, I assume no. Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> really, Rosie? Uh, 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 uh. I should have had my keyboard connected. Oh, I actually. That's so funny. Wait, I, I was going to ask you. To, oh, did you hear that? All right. That's perfect. Yes. Right. Carol. Oh. I, I'm, I was going to ask you to weird Al some shit oh. later on. So stay tuned, everybody. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, you're, you're coming back to good speed. And, you know, like you said, you see this sort of thoughts of being the choir director, the, you know, Mr. the next Mr. Holland sort of feeding. <laughs> like, what's that pivotal moment where it's like, well, this is it. This is what I'm doing. Um, it really wasn't okay. until I, you know, because even even when I was there, I I was living in company housing, so it was it was basically kind of like extended summer camp. The the right. theater operates about you know including their winter activities ten or eleven months out of the year, so it's really only February and maybe like a week in March and January that they're. Cl- closed. And at that time, uh, my girlfriend at the time, wife now, Chrissy, was doing her grad work out in Vegas. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll just go and take a road trip and and visit her for an extended period of time, you know, while we're doing that uh, long distance thing. So I didn't really have to kind of go and get serious about being a music director until uh, June of 2014, when we moved into the city. And that point, I had saved uh, for three years. You uh, were what, around 26 at that time? Yeah, 26, 27. So we had a, a little bit of savings, which was nice and, and uh, a benefit that not a lot of people have. You know, Going to a state school like Westchester, I barely had any student debt whatsoever. So you know, I didn't have that lo- looming on, over me like a lot of people who you know, go to NYU or you know, insert expensive theater school here right. um, have. So that was a sigh of relief, you know, and it allowed me to kind of seek out opportunities and try and capitalize on the networking that I had done the three years uh, prior to theater. 
And it's funny, every time I try and like be responsible about finding my next gig or reaching out to this person in the pit or reaching out to that person or uh, trying to uh, break into this community, it, it never works. Right. I, I don't <laughs> anytime I've Best laid plans, I, right? I, Oh yeah. yeah, this business is all about getting personal recommendations. You know, I mm-hmm. I, I do a fair amount uh, of of audition accompanying now. Uh, not as much as I would like because I, I really like playing auditions. It's a good way for me to learn rap. It's a good way for me to meet different creative teams and casting directors. All of which is very important if you want to go ahead in this business. And anytime how, I, I'm going to say, however, like. Does it ever piss you off? Because it certainly does me when, when that person gives you the eye roll and it's like, well, I guess it's not what you know, but who you know. And it's like, well, yeah, I'm also kind of talented, you dumb idiot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, and I, I feel like people don't, you know, pass your name around if you're garbage, you know. No, of, course, of course. Yeah. So it, it really is just, you know, a part of, of, of this business because, and I say this to, to actors a lot, everyone who, who walks into these audition rooms, I, I've witnessed probably thousands of auditions, you know, individual auditions um, at this point. And the vast majority of these people are super talented. And that's not to say it's who you know, um, because there are a lot of people who know everyone behind the table and they're just not right for the role and they won't get it. But, mm-hmm. you know, they'll get something else. So, you know, it's this combination of building these relationships and then also kind of being a good fit for whatever show that you're a part of. And that's probably more apt uh, for actors than it is uh, music directors, although we're starting to see that, too. Um, there's a show once on this island, uh, you know, which mm-hmm. I saw last week or two weeks mm-hmm. ago, which is Absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. And my friend Stephen uh, Cuevas uh, just started subbing there as a, a subconductor. And it's really great because every single person uh, involved in that show in the orchestra, on stage, you know, is a person of color, which I think is really important for the storytelling. You know, it's nice to be to see a piece like that. And it's like, I can appreciate this as an audience member and support my friends involved, uh, even though I'm not going to be a part of it. And, and you um, know, I, I will say, I, and I kind of get, especially like you said with actors, that it you know, there's a comfort level. If you've worked with someone, if you know, like, if you know that you're going to be bringing on a potential problem, attitude, whatever. I've said this a million times. If you have two people to audition for you and everything is equal and you've worked with one and you haven't worked with the other, you're going with the one you know well, every time. Well, if the one you worked with wasn't a disaster. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, nightmare. all yeah, things yeah. being equal. Right, right. Uh, and you've yeah. worked with one person and you haven't worked. It, it doesn't mean that other person was bad. It's just you mm. know the work ethic of this one person yeah. who you have and to be auditioning. It's not right or wrong. It's just human It just nature. is. It just yeah. is. And I think that's any industry or I whatever. So I, I didn't want to hit this too hard, but I know you're very vocal about your uh, stances um, about things <laughs> in the current climate, um, and you write these wonderful resistance limericks. Uh, give us That's, a quick little uh, background about that, if you would. Sure. Um, actually, this goes right back down to, to Reading. Um, it was February of 2017. Our friend uh, Kirk, oh, Kirk Lawrence. Lawrence. Yep. Kirk Lawrence, uh, Lawrence, H- Lawrence Howard, I think he did the high for right? Yeah, involved in the original uh, production of Hedwig, by the way. Yes, that's right. Yes, um, yeah, so uh, you know he's uh, been on the road as uh, Captain Mar- Professor Marvel uh, uh, and uh, the Oz in in the national tour of Wizard of Oz, but uh, Reading friend and native, and so he wrote a political limerick. I'm like, oh, this is fun. Uh, I think I'll you know I'll I'll join him. And so for a period of maybe two or three weeks each of us would kind of keep each other accountable and we would write a, a limerick, you know, and then at this point it was early in the presidency and, you know, it was mostly just kind of highlighting different uh, characters of his cabinet or, you know, maybe something that 
he did or said. And, you know, as the time went on, he kind of stepped away and I took over the mantle. And I've, you know, so I have a a medium page, which is just kind of a way to self-publish articles or in this case, you know, four line or, you know, sometimes I'll do a double or triple limerick. Um, as someone in the arts who uh, is both Jewish and uh, a friend to many people who are LGBT, and someone who cares about people, you know, and the environment, you bastard, and, and other things. This is that, America, Jack. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and that's you know, and that's not to say that uh, you know I, I I've taken some Democrats and, and people on the left to task for for certain things uh, throughout the weeks, but uh, but yesterday, uh, it, I don't know if you. If you mind me reading one, uh, oh my God, please! As many yeah. as you this like. Is, yeah. So this is uh, one that I wrote uh, it, last. Wait, wait, week. Uh, just um, just to give the listeners an update, this is the day after the Pittsburgh synagogue massacre. shootings. Yeah, this one hit close to home. You know, I'm from Pennsylvania, so PA pride there. You know, I'm sure that you know, my home rabbi probably had a relationship through the uh, Union of the Reform of Judaism or, or some other kind of rabbinical conference with these people. Yeah, that that could have been me. That could have been a friend. That could have mm-hmm. been any number of people. So I, I wrote a three stanza one last night, uh, which which was kind of hard for me. But uh, a morning with promise and bliss, celebrating a baby boy's bris. Then the temple was shocked by its own Kristallnacht to liken the two is remiss. White supremacy is still gaining steam because Trump moved the fringe to mainstream. He might knock the attacks, but he's still got their backs. They're the core of his MAGA regime. In a week and a half, we respond. Don't just vote. Bring your friends. Go beyond. Either join the blue wave or prepare your own grave. Flood the swamp. May it bloom to a pond. Boom. Yeah. Wow. Damn. Rhyme Zone is my friend, you know. There you I, go. Yep. <laughs> but you know, other other times, you know, I'll, I'll hear something uh, that you know, I, I try and keep the rhymes pure um, when I can. That one I think is just is just for our because we're going to be honest. There, we have a really dumb listener base here. <laughs> Um, Crystal Knocked, of course, is Night of the Broken Glass. Correct. Right? Yes. Uh, it, was, it was one of the first, um, I think it was early in 39, was it? Kind of I before. think it was 38. But I don't know. Yeah, but around that time. Yeah. Like as 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 the Nazi regime is really gaining steam. Yeah. Yes. It was one of the people going and breaking windows and uh kind of destroying Jewish businesses and even from the first months of the, the new administration, you know, you saw a uh a rise in either anti Semitism or a friend of mine in his neighborhood in uh, he went to Westchester with me. I, I forget which uh, kind of Philly suburb he lives in, mm-hmm. but there was a big swastika that was uh, painted on the garage door of one of his neighbors. Wow. You know, just ugly stuff. But uh, now a lot of these world problems are coalescing. You know, whether it's gun violence with anti-Semitism, with you know, I try and be uh, receptive of, of various political beliefs. But I think it's important to to be honest with ourselves uh, about the problems and and the damage and the loss of life that's that's taking place. You and I have had a couple of of very friendly, of course, always civil, politically based exchanges. Let's say, yeah. um, because you know you're middle, you know, pretty 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 left, at least leaning, whatever. Mm-hmm. And like I, I'm always saying here, you know, I'm pretty libertarian. I'm a freedom yes. first kind of guy. Mm-hmm. But I see someone like Trump come along, and I mean, I'm not breaking ground here, but of course, he absolutely gives a wink and a nod to right. people to go, yep, 
Have at it. Do it. Hmm? You know, he, 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 he's. I'm he's, sure those Second Amendment people can do something about that. Yeah. yeah. Bingo. Yeah. Remember you know. that? Oh, oh yeah. we could go on and on about yeah. all the, all the things, the little hints he's dropping right. or whatever. And I, I've lost a lot of reverence for government and things like that because I, that's a whole other episode, but you know, I think they create yes. a lot of problems that they, you know, then try to solve, but he's leaning towards intentional lack of civility and permission. And people love it. Like they that's fucking the thing, love it. Of course they it's do. It's fucking disgusting. It gives them the excuse to be an asshole. Yeah, because mm-hmm. here's the thing: no, no matter what you think about the office of the president in general, yeah. people mm-hmm. listen to the fucking president. You set he's the a tone. goddamn president. You set the fucking tone. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. and while I I can't say you know Trump didn't pull any triggers or anything like that, but he didn't stop anyone at the same time. He didn't you know say. He says there there are good people on both sides. Yeah, no. it, it's it's his immediate reaction. They to have things. tiki torches and they're screaming about Jews. Yeah. Like, what are yeah. you talking? And he, about? he says it like, well, there were a couple of like uh, just historians mixed in who just are fans of the air. It's like, no, right, no, they nice just try. really they loved how snappy of dressers that Nazis were, yeah, yeah, and right. you know. Yeah, it's only getting worse as you know recent events have shown. It just and again, like Matt said, yeah, I'm not sitting here saying um, that he, you know, he didn't say go, right. go, go get them people. But boy, does he set a tone. So where do you go from there then? Like what? I, I guess the next step is the voting booth. Yeah. But do you think there's going to be a blue wave? You know, I, I'm hopeful. I, uh, I'm optimistic. I think there's been a lot of ground game. I think there's um, social media is really holding people to account. Yeah, but you know, it, it doesn't just happen. You have to make it happen. Right. You know, that's that's the thing with polls. They're just predictive. Yeah, and that's part of the reason why I've been doing these daily limericks because it keeps it a part of the conversation. It's so easy to be complacent in between election years. And you know, if there's one thing that I do give Donald Trump credit for, it's raising the political literacy of Ninety-five percent of my friends and colleagues. If you asked me six years ago who the assistant press secretary was, right. or the, the, the <laughs> right. like, or the, who, the, who yeah. remembers the like? But when everyone's a dumpster fire, right? You'll, 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 the secretary you'll of education. I would have no idea, but yeah. I now yeah, know. Right, Betsy DeVos. Yeah. Everyone knows right. her. You know, because right. when something's about to explode, everyone knows that uh, you know Ben Carson's Department of HUD. Did uh, other oh, people yeah. even know what HUD was? Right. Uh, I think it was a Paul Newman movie. Right. Right. That's exactly. Google it. Google it. Google that, people. Yes. So that's that's good. That's a good thing. And I think when people are more um, engaged, they are uh, they're going to be more likely to to act. Right. And you know, and, and you know, the one that I read uh, just now was was pretty heavy. But I, I try and keep them light too. This is uh, another short uh, a one um, a one stanza one when uh, they found out that the person who's sending out all those pipe bombs was actually some stupid loser in Florida. So yeah. No false flag hoax or liberal guys, despite countless conservative cries. Just a sad, stupid man in a crappy white van, van down in Florida. What a surprise. <laughs> what, I, what I like so, about them, too, the limericks, is that they – because I have some people either side – well, I hate saying side because right. whatever. We need to get on that. Right. But again, but um, well, they'll go on a diatribe or a rant, and, but you keep it, it – it's you know entertaining. And concise. But bingo. <laughs> it, 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 is, it is a surgeon-like precision of distilling down your feelings – or your take on a specific issue without being like, like I don't scroll past, go, oh, another political diatribe. You right. know, yeah. actually, right. I always want to try to actually read actually to see uh, if you screwed up the uh, rhyme scheme. But yes, you know. I actually do a count right. on my fingers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I don't know if this is uh, because I'm also a musician, but uh, the cadence and the flow is very important to me. If, if I if I uh, can't get behind it uh, musically, you know, I'm not going to, to post it. And sometimes that's really frustrating because I'll often you know, have to forgo a, a, a rhyme or a, a, a line that I that I wanted to do just because I couldn't find something that worked. Yeah, because you know what? Uh, Everyone knows nothing rhymes with orange, and that really makes this oh, thing son of a bitch. Why yeah, couldn't you, he be blue? Right. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but you can still use it as like a as an adjective up front. You know, there you go. I've kind of gotten little tricks. But, you know, plus, I I wrote them mostly in the subway or uh, in in transit. Maybe if I'm sitting in a, in a rehearsal room. And, Hold on, do you, you, know, you write them on the subway sometimes? Yeah. What rides with urine? Uh, mm. Let's see. Uh, they, did, they wrote a whole musical about that. So, uh, no, that's you know. true. They did. Um, it's a good, yeah, it, it's a great one. Yeah. yeah. Can you uh, can you come back sometime and talk politics? You know, just shooky politics and things, and maybe even a little a little friendly debates. Would you mind? Sure. This this has been a pleasure. Yeah. Um, God damn, Dan, you're so talented. God, you know, I'm just, ah, I hate you're myself. You're such handsome. Oh, I hate you Christ. for being so talented and wonderful. And by the way, I won't, you know, Danny happens to have the best parents in the world, too. Yes. Like, they, yes. I, I, I'm not it's expecting just, you to get into it, whatever, but they're I just so, saw them yesterday, actually. They came, they came up to New York. I was conducting this office um, parody musical. And I was so, I was actually kind of worried because it's, uh, um, it's not terribly vulgar, but probably about as vulgar as this conversation that we just had. Yeah. And they didn't know the The fuck's show, that mean? Yeah. <laughs> and they don't know uh, the show The Office at all. So I'm like, oh, what are wow. they going to – Right. Like, it's like yeah. you know, they've seen like bits and pieces of a couple of reruns while they were looking for the nearest law and order. Is that the show and, where they uh, just look at the camera? Is that that one? Yeah, yeah. well, kind of. Yeah, yeah. you know, one of the, the first of the new wave of mockumentary stuff. exactly, right? Yeah. I, I do have to say, and I think I've related this story to you before. I don't know, but – for those of you who have not met his, I have the pleasure to have met his parents. Um, his mom is a very short lady. Four, <laughs> four or five, maybe? Yeah, yeah, four or five and just a little bit of change. Uh, <laughs> we were coming home from a choir trip. And this is how lame I am. Um, in high school. And the bus driver had accused someone of lighting a match on the bus. Which is the dumbest thing because we're choir dorks, and she wasn't going to move. I've never heard this story. Oh, okay, all right. So, um, yeah, get, 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 uh, hit hit pause on your parents coming up. Yeah, we'll go. circle back. So she won't move the bus. We're we're parked. She won't move the bus, and we're all like, "What are you talking about, you idiot? Like, <laughs> we're Antietam, fucking." You know, music yeah. dorks. We have to be taught how to be naughty. I don't, I don't even know what a match is, for Christ's sake. <laughs> and so she eventually moved the bus again, and we got out of the bus. And your mom went at this woman to a point where Mr. Snelling had to get between the two of them. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I am not. Because your mom was like, she was so fired up. And he got, and, and Mr. Snelling was like, ladies, ladies, there are children there are children here. Let's be adults. Let's do this. Let's be adults. My like, mom was just saying this is ridiculous. Move the bus or what? No, no, no. Because we got out and she was so mad that she would accuse anyone that 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 we had done it. It oh. was so dumb. Turns that, out your mom snuck a cigarette. Right. And told <laughs> your mom was smoking a butt and she was just trying to cover her ass. That's right. No, uh, that's funny. Uh, I remember um, one time my sister asked if, if my mom had ever smoked pot because she uh, grew up in Woodstock, New York. Oh, wh- and wow. Her, her, Hold on. Literally grew up in Woodstock, New York. She she grew up in, in in the town of Woodstock, New York. Right. The artist sure. Colony. Yeah. No, even though know. even though the 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 uh, actual concert took place in Hammondsport. Well, about, about Max Yagger, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, Max Yagger Farm. Yeah, that's right. Go. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Anyways, so her her face, my mom's face, like goes white, and she's like, 
I had one puff. Ah, <laughs> okay, I'm, Clinton. I'm, right. I'm 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 uh, ratting out my mom, but anyway, she's uh, I I'm act- I've never heard that story, but I'm not surprised. If, they, if anyone, it was great. He, she stands up for the little guy. If, if anyone from the D- oh, no no pun intended, right? If, no if intended. anyone from the DEA is listening, right? And you need <laughs> need Eve Pardo's address, uh, you can <laughs> contact us here at the back room. <laughs> no, but seriously, like it was amazing to watch just a small mm-hmm. person go after so tenaciously. Yeah. Like oh, I thought she was gonna punch that lady in the head. Oh, it was awesome. <laughs> Someone give me a step stool. Yep. Uh, I meant she was going to punch her in the pelvis. There you go. All right, Danny, uh, give us the big plug, man. How can people find you, hear you, um, hire you? Yes. And, sure. and I might say, um, too, before you go, um, he does brilliant arrangements. I've purchased some in my right. time. And he is receptive to your input and all that kind of stuff. So, so yes, if you need anything for any show you're doing, get in touch with this guy. There you go. Oh, thank, thank you for the, the vote of confidence. Well, oh, oh, hold on. Uh, a Jewish Tin Pan Alley piano player? Who's ever heard of such a what? thing? What? Never. Well, my, uh, you can find me at my website, danpardo.com, and that has links to uh, both uh, Pardo's Turn and my uh, Limerick page. Yes, highly uh, recommend both of those. They're great. So, um, I mean, anything else you can kind of find through there. Dan Pardo, let me tell you something. I've known you since, well, like you said, you're a kid. I'm so fucking proud of you, man. Yeah, dude. You are you, you're an amazing Thanks. young man. Not just a man. You're incredibly talented. And you are just making us all proud to say that. We and I'll you. say, I'll tell you what, he is in our high school hall of fame. There you go. As he should be. That, yeah. that, that, that was, that was true and unexpected. Uh, Terry Schnitter, the, uh, the shop teacher who actually started our musical theater program at, at NT. Then when wow, I wow, who saw that coming? Right. I, I knew Mr. Reinecker. So, and that guy was yeah, a right? fucking lunatic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, no, uh, Terry Schneider did uh, theater at, at Genesius and elsewhere when he was growing up in the in the area. And his son Mike uh, is in my grade. Also was in choir and and, and band. He played saxophone. Terry just uh, saw a need for for what we were doing, and uh, we were in the process of getting our old building back down in the, right. uh, whatever state that the was, heart which of had Mount that, Penn, yeah. which yeah. had that beautiful stage. So uh, we kind of had a transition year when uh, we did. I think it was leader of the pack or something in uh, uh, in the in the no purpose room and the you know R.I.P. the no purpose room <laughs> and stage uh, that was literally eight feet off the ground. <laughs> can you people hear me it's, down there? It's true. Can you uh, even? Can I see yeah, well, you? You need somewhere to store the tables, right? <laughs> All the chairs that you were going to pull out to to so people could watch. You needed to put them somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that was the most useless room. Like. Oh, anyway. And then we did, uh, my senior year, we did Guys and Dolls in the new space, and they've been uh, you know, keeping at the program ever since. So anyway, he came up to see me uh, conduct uh, my Broadway show and uh, very gracious, you know, very uh, kindly honored me with uh, a nomination. And uh, I think I was in Seattle at the time, but my parents uh, came and accepted on my behalf. Oh, cool. There you go. Uh, now, now any, any future awards, which I know you're going to win, Tony's drama, uh, drama desk, all those pale in comparison to a school right. with a graduating class of 63 every year. Uh, <laughs> if you're lucky, that was, that's actually the exact number of people in my graduating. Get class. the fuck out of here. Yeah, no. Get the fu- I, I'm not kidding. We beat you guys by six people. <laughs> oh, you're 57. 
No, no, no. I mean, we were we are at sixty nine. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, we yeah, all thought it was pretty awesome. Um, yeah, but, yeah. When, when Kid was talking about dropping out, and we're right. like, "Don't you fucking don't dare! You, we need the joke. We right. need the and joke." He, he actually had, we had to take the heroin needle out of his arm, out of his arm during the push him across the stage. So, all right, Dan Pardo, thank you so much. God, I want to just hit stop so we can just record again. Okay. I just want to keep talking to you. You're so smart. You're so talented. We're so goddamn all. We're so proud of you, buddy. Feelings mutual, guys. Uh, this was a pleasure. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, yeah, Dan, thanks, thank buddy. you so much, buddy. All right, thank All you. Right. All right, everybody, that was the great Dan Pardo. Brilliant man. Jesus Christ, he's great. We uh, have worked together on multiple uh, projects of mine, and he does an amazing job. He's amazing. So, amazing. Uh, look him out. Uh, look him up. Look Pardo's, him out. Everybody. Look him out. Well, I'm gonna tell you yeah. So look him up. Uh, Pardo's turn. Uh, on YouTube, also available as a podcast. And I think you said with danpardo.com. Yeah. There you go. I don't tell you, you know, check out the Pardo's turn stuff because he's, he's got some serious Broadway heavy, heavy hitters. Freaking hitters, yeah, man. Yeah. For real. Like, yeah. not, not just like someone who has, no. I mean, we're talking really. Like people we can never get. Right. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. All right. So thanks for listening and, uh, we'll see you next time in the back room. Boom. See ya. there backroom show listeners are you tired of the dick jokes and the suicide packs that come along with listening to the backroom show maybe you need to take a shame shower to wash off the layer of grime and grit that comes with listening to gary and matt well if you'd like a change of pace you can always listen to my show i'm maria gerald and i host adventures in middle-aged momming now, i know what you're thinking maybe not right up your alley but you'd be surprised Parenting can be just as gritty, grimy, and, quite honestly, filled with shit, just like Gary and Matt. So check us out on the Backroom Network. 